it's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. News Radio Studios in Midtown Manhattan. It's the fastest growing radio talk show. Brian Kilmeade. Hi everyone, Brian Kilmeade here. Glad you're there. Alan West at the bottom of the hour. There's a war between uh, Texas and the federal government. I am not kidding. Do you know what Texas did? They basically said to the uh, Border Patrol, you're not enforcing the border, you're cutting down our barbed wire. So the Texas National Guard took over the park and securing the area themselves, the federal government said, you better knock it off. Can, can you imagine this was happening with Donald Trump? We'll talk to Colonel uh, Alan West about that. And what I was saying is, I'm not saying it couldn't happen, but they'd be talking about how Trump is fraying the country, ignoring the Constitution. Uh, so we finally have results in Iowa, and I have a lot to discuss, uh, my opinions. And, of course, I want to hear what you have to say about it. So uh, keep in mind, too, I want you to listen every day on the station. Plus... Uh, watch or listen on Fo- the Fox News app, which is great. Just click on the headsets. You can see and hear the show live uh, and click on Fox News on the Fox News app if you don't have it already. Plus, you can get the podcast, your favorite podcast platform. And by the way, you just look for the Brian Kilmeade Show. Big three time. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. The federal law is very clear. If you're a federal employee, you can't strike. Striking is not an option. Under federal law, it's a crime. Andy McCarthy helping me out today, walking out. Hundreds of Biden administration employees plan to walk out of their jobs in some on Capitol Hill in protest of Biden's policies with Israel, the Hamas war. Young White House staffers feel they know better. Why do they still have a job? They all should be fired. Why does he not weigh in? Number two. They are not going to get Bidenomics. Let it go. How about you just make sure that they know what you're going to do? When's the last time you saw Joe Biden in a town hall taking questions from the American people? Joe Biden needs to campaign like Joe Biden knows how to campaign. When people see him, they stop thinking about, oh, how old is he? They start listening to what he is saying. The great Ainsley Earhart reading the quotes from Simone Sanders, former chief of staff, For Joe Biden, head of communications, saying, let Joe go. Let Joe be Joe. He's getting more unsolicited advice from his party. And as you just heard, his former aides, as he notes, there's a rematch with Trump is likely the state of his campaign, which is is flush with cash. Number one. It is as close for Donald Trump to being a 99-county sweep of the state as you can get. Look at the one county that is not Trump's shade of red on here. It's Johnson County. Donald Trump lost it to Nikki Haley by a single vote. So Donald Trump literally came one single vote away from going 99 for 99 in Iowa. Well, Steve Kornacki of MSNBC. Trump hits all his goals in a massive Iowa caucus victory. We examine the results and preview New Hampshire, which promises to bring a much different challenge and electorate to the polls, which I can't wait for. Because to me, what I see New Hampshire as is a way to see if Trump can resonate with the general public, not with Republicans. I got it. The conservatives, he's got them. He's going to battle DeSantis with that, and we'll see if DeSantis can close the gap. I guess I should review the the standings. Uh, Trump with 56,260, 51% of the vote. Uh, DeSantis, by all standards, he did exactly what he wanted to do. DeSantis has finished second. Um, He wanted originally to win. He has a huge ground game, had the governor. 
evangelicals, many of them, including Bob Vanderplatt, the most powerful. But he comes in second, 21 percent of the vote, so almost uh, less than half of Trump's. Nikki Haley, 21,000-plus votes, 19%. So despite the polls showing her in second, she finishes two points back. Now, why am I so excited about New Hampshire? Number one, it's a traditional primary. I love the caucus stuff. It's cool. But this is a traditional primary. Show up, vote, keep it secret. And why else am I uh, excited about New Hampshire? Because the biggest argument against Donald Trump is he can't win the general. Now, we know in the last four or five polls, now the real clear average, he's up by about three points. Real clear average up two points on Joe Biden. DeSantis about the same. Nikki Haley substantially more. The question is, as Chris Sununu says, who I'm a big fan of, and he's not a fan of Trump, he said, my problem is he can't win the general. If you can win New Hampshire, they got 1.5 million people there total. About 40 percent are unaffiliated with a party and you can sign up to uh, to go to any primary, Democrat or Republican. Now, in New Hampshire, not many people go to the Democrats because these idiots decided that New Hampshire wasn't worth their time and want to start in South Carolina led by Joe Biden. Why would you diss a state you, you could possibly win like Iowa and New Hampshire and not show up? But because of that, people who want to participate in the process and can't really get in on it will register for this and be Republicans. Now, this is Governor Haley, who does better with moderates and independents than any other candidate except Trump, will try to beat him. In some polls, she's within single digits. She believes it's a two-person race. And we'll see. They got a week, eight days. Right now, Nikki Haley's there already. I talked to her 20 minutes ago on television. We're going to bring back some of that interview. First off... Here's the uh, the aftermath of the Iowa uh, of the Iowa election of the caucuses. Here are the candidates weighing in. By the way, it ends with one that's dropping out. Cut one. We're going to come together. It's going to happen soon, too. This is the third time we've won. But this is the biggest win. I want to congratulate Ron and Nikki for having a, a good a good time together. We're all having a good time together. And uh, I think they both actually did very well. I really do. I also want to congratulate Vivek because he did a hell of a job. But I can tell you, because of your support, in spite of all of that that they threw at us, everyone against us, we've got our ticket punched out of Iowa. I can safely say tonight, Iowa made this Republican primary a two-person race. Thank you, Iowa. We're going to continue on. We're going to make you proud. And we're off to New Hampshire. We are going to suspend this presidential campaign. I called Donald Trump to tell him that I congratulated him on his victory. And now going forward, he will have my full endorsement for the presidency. And I think he's going to be campaigning for him in New Hampshire. Nikki Haley has come out and said she will not debate unless Donald Trump's in the debate. So therefore, the ABC debate with Ron DeSantis was not going to happen this week. I don't blame her. Plus, I don't want to see it. I think they both get hurt by it. They go at each other so personally and directly. There's none of this mutual admiration society. You know, remember uh, famously Frazier and Norton, famously to me because I was obsessed with boxing. Frazier and Norton would never fight because they were friends, even though they were ranked number one or two in the world. Uh, you know, it's not like there's a friendly debate going on. They go after each other and they hurt each other. So I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I'm kicking myself because on my list of questions to ask Nikki Haley was that. But as I was talking to her before the interview, we're having problems with audio. 
not to make excuses, but I was asking her, what news do you have coming out of your camp? I know you just landed. And that would have been great news. I looked down, and sure enough, somebody who was working with Mike Pompeo had texted me and said, she's not debating. You want to bring that up? And I looked down after the interview, and next thing you know, two minutes later, Nikki Ellie puts that on her site. I'm just kicking myself for not asking that because it, it was instinctively what I thought. Do you really want to debate when the person you want to beat is not going to be in the debate? So we'll see what happens. I'm sure ABC's got to scramble for some programming. But I, I'm just fascinated by the response of other networks who no longer can minimize and marginalize Donald Trump. I all know We all know about January 6th. We all know about things that you don't like about him. You don't like the phone call to Ukraine. Should he be impeached? He wasn't. Uh, I guess the House did. Uh, should it, you know, the Senate wouldn't. Uh, should uh, the Mueller report, oh, you know, he didn't really win. The Russians helped him win. All the controversy around him. Oh, he talks about the border and it and it's uh, it's inflammatory. He talks about the election being fixed. We got a cutaway. And then when he goes to run for president, they said there's no way he's going to have a shot. He's leading in the polls, but polls can be wrong. And then after the overwhelming victory, they got to, some of them got to say nice things, like the one that are just rational who don't want to see him elected, but are rational, and others are just irrational. And that's what I'm seeing, a lot of irrational comments from other networks. I mean, here's an example. Uh, here's CNN and MSNBC. So as it becomes clear that Trump won and he hit every mark, they have to cover his speech, you would think. Cut to. We have an invasion of millions and millions of people that are coming into our country. I can't imagine why they think that's a good thing. Donald Trump declaring victory with a historically strong showing in the Iowa caucuses. Here he is right now under under my voice. You hear him repeating his anti-immigrant rhetoric. The projected winner of the Iowa caucuses um, has just started giving his victory speech. We will let you know if there's any news made in that speech. There is a reason that we and other news organizations have generally stopped giving an unfair filtered live platform to remarks by former President Trump. Why? It is an invasion. You got 12,000 a day. You have four to six million in three years. You have another million queued up to go. These are numbers we've not seen before. It's a total collapse of the border. The current president basically admitted it's a crisis that has to be addressed. Most Democrats admit it. It's the number one issue in Iowa. The president is speaking to it, and you're cutting away. Now, I know there are legal issues when it comes to saying the election's fixed, but there is nothing wrong with what the president said. Do they understand that there's an excellent chance he's going to win? Are they going to cut away from the State of the Union? Are they even going to cover the State of the Union? If Joe Biden gets reelected, the country is not going to come apart. It'll be led by a horrible president. But I don't think it's the end of democracy or the country. What's happening at the border has got to stop. I think the Senate will belong to the Republicans. I think the House is going to stay in there, and that'll be the governor. But I'm not going to use extraordinary language to say the country's going to fall apart, even though if you look at the, our relations with China and the imminent Taiwan invasion, we saw Hong Kong paved over. He didn't do anything. And now you look at what's happening in Eastern Europe and the Middle East, you could see the, country, the world is, on, is about to implode, and a lot of it's because the Americans lack a leadership. But I'm not going to get people nuts if Joe Biden wins the election. What these people have done is totally irresponsible. They take people that don't like Trump, think that the world's going to end if we let him speak. And if he becomes president, now I don't mean you might not want to cover a press conference at 2 in the afternoon. That's your prerogative. 
But if you tell everybody, no town halls with this guy, don't cover the State of the Union with this guy, there's an attack, there's a memorial, there's a ceremony, Fourth of July, Memorial Day, we're not going to cover it because we can't trust what the president will say. You, you talk about a threat to democracy, that is it. Now, you want to talk about normal? The president's comments after winning are pretty great. And you want to talk about human? How about this? Cut five. And I want to thank my family generally. Uh, they've worked so hard and they've taken so much abuse for being good people. I mean, good people. But uh, Eric and Don, they really did. These two have been working so hard and they, uh, you know, they have another job also. So they have to do it all. Interesting. Right. And by the way, you look at these guys, you, maybe maybe you don't agree with Donald, Donald Trump Jr. or Eric. But uh, these guys are standing citizens. They are absolutely never in trouble. They run their company. They don't drink. Uh, they are. They have great humility for people that grew up with wealth. Uh, we're two of the nicest people you're ever going to meet, especially Eric. And Ivanka Trump, does anyone think she's not uh, the perfect daughter? Have you noticed that? I hate to compare families because it doesn't necessarily reflect the quality of the parents. But if you look what happened on the other side, I mean, you got uh, two of their kids are alcoholics, drug addicts. And you got Hunter Biden doing an international business deal on his dad's name uh, with his dad knowing. And please tell me that you want to compare these families and Donald Trump's the one embarrassing us. You want to hear more humanity? And I, I wouldn't think this is abnormal, except for Trump doesn't usually talk about things personal. Cut six. I think most importantly, I want to thank my incredible wife, uh, first lady, I'll say former and maybe future. But more important than Melania, I want to thank her incredible, beautiful mother who passed away a few days ago. And she's up there, way up there. She's looking down and she's so proud of us. And I just want to say to Amalia, you are special, one of the most special people I've ever known. And uh, that was a tough period of time for the family. But she, uh, she's amazing. She was amazing. So I just want to thank what she's done for our family and her husband, who's home right now and very lonely. He's a lonely man, but he's going to be okay, <laughs> Victor. They're great people. Great parents to all of us, really. I mean, great parents, but also to Baron. Boy, did she take care of Baron. That's how he got so tall. He only ate her food. So, I mean... You want to cut away from that, too? When he does something, I get it. When he does something unorthodox and you think it's untenable, I understand it. But he wins the Iowa caucus substantially. He beats the current president in every poll. And now you want to cut away because you know better when he's talking about the wall? I got news for you. Democrats, mayors in Chicago and New York think we're being invaded. They get 10,000 in their state, in their city. They think they're being invaded. 67,000 in New York at the cost of additional cost of $1.9 billion. They think they're being invaded. Cut away from the state of the state address in New York because that's what the governor uh, was talking about. The invasion. When we come back, your calls, 1-866-408-7669. More analysis. Uh, we have a lot more to go. I want you to hear every angle of it. Exciting time. We finally have results. Brian Kilmeade Show. Newsmakers and newsbreakers. Hear it first on the Brian Kilmeade Show. The Fox News Rundown. A contrast of perspectives you won't hear anywhere else. Your daily dose of news twice a day. Featuring insight from top newsmakers, reporters, and Fox News contributors. Listen and subscribe now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. 
From his mouth to your ears, it's Brian Kilmeade. Almost half of the base of the Republican Party showing up for this caucus tonight voted against Donald Trump. Think about that. I mean, this is the most famous Republican. He's the guy who, you know, basically built the modern Republican Party, the MAGA Republican Party that Democrats are running against. And half the people in that party didn't vote for Donald Trump. So I think that is telling. It tells you the weakness of Donald Trump and also the opportunity for Democrats. I don't know if I agree with that. I mean, number one, is was George W. Bush weak? Was Ted Cruz strong? I mean, he won last time. You had some, but this is the largest distance anyone non-incumbent has ever won Iowa. So that's one way to spin it. Well, you could say 25% of the people, you could say that 25,000 out of the, you know, Trump got 56,000. You have uh, 23,000 didn't vote for Trump. And then 21 uh, voted for DeSantis, 21,000 voted for Haley. Yeah, strong. But so is Haley and DeSantis. And he still doubled them up. So that's a that's really an interesting take on that. But that's what we want. Give you all different type of analysis. Let people know what's going on in other channels. Uh, for the most part, I was really impressed with Donald Trump's tone at the town hall. His tone in the postgame yesterday. Complimenting his opponents knowing this thing isn't over. Now, I know it's going to switch. Obviously, it's going to switch because he's got to take on Nikki Haley. But the way he does it. I wonder if he's going to go out of his way not to talk about 2020. This is what people always tell him. Don't talk about 2020 if you want to win the general. And what you got to do is relax people who think that you're going to end democracy. You know that's a folly. Got it. But just understand that people don't believe that. Listen to Joy Reid describe why Nikki Haley lost on MSNBC Cut 15. It's the elephant in the room. She's still a brown lady. That's got to try to win in a party that is deeply anti-immigrant. It's still a challenge. I don't see how she becomes the nominee of that party with Donald Trump still around. I can't picture it happening. Maybe it could happen. Ron DeSantis's only argument for staying in it is he's the white guy that he can still make the appeal to white people. It's one of the most, even Al Sharpton would say, tone it down. What are you talking about? You mean that party, Donald Trump's party? You know he's got more percentage of the of the African American vote than Romney or McCain. Do you know it's up to twenty percent in the last poll? Do you know the current president has sixty percent approval rating for the black community when he had over eighty percent last time? So to think that everyone uh, that Nikki Haley didn't get one vote because she's an Indian or a woman, Indian heritage or a woman, she doesn't think so. And I asked her that too. You'll hear her response. A talk show that's real. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. We're going to have to have a deportation level that we haven't seen in this country for a long time, since Dwight Eisenhower, actually. So I don't want to be overly uh, rough on the president, but I have to say that he is the worst president that we've had in the history of our country. He's destroying our country. And... You know, my wife attended the funeral two months ago of Rosalind Carter, and it was beautiful. And Jimmy Carter was there, and I thought to myself, Jimmy Carter is happy now because he will go down as being a brilliant president by comparison to Joe Biden. He'll be a brilliant president. It's going to be, he's going to be known as brilliant.
So that was the president yesterday kind of riffing, uh, very happy with the Iowa win. He basically hit all the marks that he wanted to do. It was just so funny. Seven minutes ago, we played J.P. Pritzker says, how bad is it that Donald Trump couldn't get all the votes in New Hampshire, in, in uh, Iowa, and yet he's the most popular Republican? Is that most ridiculous? He won by a wider margin than any other Republican in history. And he's looking to make history be the first re- non-incumbent to a New Hampshire and Iowa. Yeah, that's a pretty big spin Do you want us to swallow. Lieutenant Colonel Alan West joins us now, executive director of the American Constitutional Rights Union, former congressman, longtime military man. Uh, Colonel, your reaction to yesterday's results? Well, I think that a lot of the pollsters are breathing a sigh of relief that this large uh, separation that you have between Donald Trump and the rest of the pack did uh, turn out in fruition. I mean, 30 points, and like you said, a historic win there. But uh, I think that Ron DeSantis uh, surprised a lot of people by being able to come in second, but he put a lot of time, effort, resources, energy into Iowa, winning, you know, uh, you know, visiting all of those 99 counties. But I, I think that Nikki Haley is going to hang in there. When you start to look at New Hampshire, uh, there is a possibility she could close the gap with Donald Trump in New Hampshire. We'll see how that plays out. But then again, she uh, has to be able to, you would think, win her own home state of South Carolina. So I believe that this will be prolonged. You will still see uh, DeSantis and Haley, you know, hang in there for, you know, a little bit longer, probably into March, without a doubt. Vivek Ramaswamy dropping out, that's uh, that's pretty important because that support will go to Trump. And, and that's what it was. And hopefully, you know, maybe he can get some of those young people to come over. But Donald Trump now has to continue to talk about, you know, where the country was the day that he left office as far as, you know, our our economic standing, our, our energy uh, independence. Definitely when you look at national security and foreign policy, who would, the Houthis would have never, you know, shot a rocket or missile at a U.S. flag cargo ship there in the uh, in the Straits if Donald Trump was president. But that's how bad things have gotten, and of course, with the border as, as well. All right, so he uh, he wins. If you're just tuning in, he got 51% of the vote. Uh, DeSantis, mm-hmm. 21. Uh, Haley, 20, 19. Uh, Ron DeSantis is uh, thinks that he's done enough to move on. Cut eight. This is our responsibility, to carry this torch and to preserve this sacred fire of liberty. Don't run away from this responsibility. We welcome this responsibility. We thank you for your effort. We thank you for your support. You helped us get a ticket punched out of the Hawkeye State. We have a lot of work to do, but I can tell you this, as the next president of the United States, I am going to get the job done for this country. So is there a path forward for him knowing he's put no time into New Hampshire? He's going to go to both New Hampshire and South Carolina today. How does that play out? Because I know you, you appreciate what he's done as governor. Yeah. It's a very tough path for him going forward because really what he is looking and who he's talking to is the, the same people that would be voting for Donald Trump. So he may be a first choice for these individuals, the 21 percent, but they, their second choice would be Donald Trump. It's definitely not Nikki Haley. So when you look at what is happening there in New Hampshire, where I think Donald Trump is about 43 to 44 percent and Nikki Haley was coming in at about the same 20 to 21 percent. 
with Chris Christie dropping out, you know, without a doubt, you would believe that that support of Christie will go over to Nikki Haley and probably not Ron DeSantis. So New Hampshire is probably going to be a Trump-Haley uh, race. And then you look and see where uh, Governor DeSantis is in uh, South Carolina, not very high there. So this may have been the high point of his uh, presidential campaign, uh, because if he does not do well in New Hampshire and South Carolina, the resources and the money will probably start to dry up. And then you get worried about debt, I understand, because if you start running and mm-hmm. the machine keeps going, you're going to be stuck with those bills, right? That's correct. And and that's one of the things you don't want to have a massive campaign debt that you have to start paying off. So, you know, he will probably get the whisper in the ear after South, after South Carolina if he is, you know, finishing third in New Hampshire, finishing third in South Carolina, that, you know, hey, Ron, it's probably time to, you know, just go focus on being the governor of uh, Florida. All right, let's talk about what's happening at your border. We understand that this is getting really hairy. You know, the Texas mm-hmm. National Guard is going to be taking over the the border, and they're going to say if, uh, if you come here illegally, we're putting you in jail, you have the opportunity to go back or go into jail. Now, the federal government hasn't said much. Then all of a sudden, the uh, Texas National Guard took a park back because the Border Patrol wasn't enforcing it. Mm -hmm. And now the Biden administration, and they're holding on to it, and the Biden administration demanded the Texas officials stop preventing uh, the Border Patrol from entering the stat section. He says that the Texas National Guard does not heed the administration's demand and cease its effort to block Border Patrol's access to the public park in Eagle Pass. The Department of Homeland Security referred the matter to the Justice Department and explore other options. What should the reaction of Texas be? Well, what Texas needs to tell the federal government is that in these crossing points, these entry and exit points, that we know, that okay, that's fine. You have federal government control, but we're talking about these points in between. And I've been down to that park there in Eagle Pass, and I've been on that boat ramp that they're talking about, and it is just a, a, a floodgate for illegal immigrants to come across, and that's a gathering point, uh, an assembly area, if you want to call it, uh, there on the United States side. And so at some point in time, when you look at a federal government that has abdicated their enumerated responsibility to protect the sovereignty of not just the United States of America, but the state of Texas, and putting the burden on the people of the state of Texas, we got to step up and do something, and the Constitution grants us that uh, power when the federal government does not abdicate that role. And so So this purposeful and intentional policy of allowing millions of people illegally to just come across into the state of Texas wherever they want to, not in the the points of entry and the points of exit, which are supposed to be controlled by the federal government. Yeah, the state of Texas has the enumerated power under the Constitution to do something about this. And why why would we have an administration that says we want to bring illegal immigrants into this country? To me, it, it, it just wholeheartedly does not make sense. So when the President of the United States brought that up yesterday, listen to what the other networks did. Cut to. We have an invasion of millions and millions of people that are coming into our country. I can't imagine why they think that's a good thing. Donald Trump declaring victory with a historically strong showing in the Iowa caucuses. Here he is right now under under my voice. You hear him repeating his anti-immigrant rhetoric. The projected winner of the Iowa caucuses um, has just started giving his victory speech. We will let you know if there's any news made in that speech. There is a reason that we and other news organizations have generally stopped giving an unfair filtered live platform to remarks by former President Trump. So what is your th- what are your thoughts about the I'm sure you weren't watching. 
But that's what people are hearing, that he's not the winner of uh, the Iowa caucus is not worthy of being heard from. And if he talks about an invasion, that's a bridge too far, really? Well, you know, once again, this is censorship. This is, you know, propagandized media. This is Pravda from the old Soviet Union. This is uh, Joseph Goebbels, the uh, propaganda minister under Adolf Hitler. This is what they're doing. They're trying to keep truth away from the American people. There is an invasion, 8 to 10 million people coming across the border illegally, and, and that cannot be debated. And this is not about being against immigrants. I mean, you can come here legally. You can come here and respect our laws. But what we're talking about is people from over 160 yeah. different nations who have come into this country, and they don't belong here. They have no right to just walk into America. Uh, you can't do that to Mexico. I mean, Brian, let's you and I try to walk over yeah. into Mexico and see if they're going to give us a free cell phone and uh, put us up in a five-star hotel. No, it ain't happening. So uh, I am sick and tired of the left always talking about authoritarianism and dictatorships, but they're the ones that are pushing this, uh, this mantra with, uh, with their censorship and, and, and the undermining mm-hmm. of the sovereignty of this country. But by the way, uh, if he does win, do you realize this country, half this country, is going to try to ignore his orders and find him unworthy? Yes. Do you think Rachel Maddow is going to cut away from the State of the Union address? Of course she would. I mean, we saw what Nancy Pelosi did. We saw what Nancy Pelosi did when the president, uh, after he finished his State of the Union address, she ripped up the speech. Uh, But, you know, she was applauded by the left. And you already have this report coming out from NBC News how they are trying to develop this this plan by which they can undermine the authority of President Trump as the commander-in-chief. But you don't hear anything about holding anybody accountable for the debacle in Afghanistan in the Biden administration. So the hypocrisy is just absolutely absurd. All right. Lastly, federal workers supposed to work out. I think snow might keep them from going. They're supposed to walk out today on the White House and in Congress in protest of the president's Gaza policy, his Israeli policy. Andy McCarthy says if they do that, they should be fired. Cut 37. The federal law is very clear. If you're a federal employee, you can't strike. And Brian, I have to say, you know, someone who worked in the government for more years than I care to say. There's no one who works in the government for any length of time and doesn't have any number of policies that they intensely disagree with. Striking is not an option. Under federal law, it's a crime. What would you do if your staff decided, uh, Colonel, not with you on this. I'm going to go protest you outside your office. Uh, they won't be coming back. Of course. I mean, they won't, they, they won't have an office. And furthermore, if you are... A federal employee, if at last thing I remember, I think you still have to take an oath uh, to the Constitution. Uh, if you are going out and walking out of your job because you are support, supporting a designated Islamic terrorist organization that killed Americans and is holding Americans hostage, yep, you're out of a job. And uh, as Andrew McCarthy just said, maybe you'll get charged with a crime on top of that. Yeah, I think so. Uh, Colonel, thanks so much. Appreciate it. My pleasure. Always. Take care, Brian. All right. Iowa caucus goes to Trump. What does it mean for New Hampshire? I'll break it down next. I want to get your take of the results. one 408 7669 You listen to the Brian Kilmeade Show. Diving deep into today's top stories, it's Brian Kilmeade. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. 
The president is different than those that are running his campaign. In this sense, the ones that are running his campaign are exactly as you said. They're relaxed. Wait a minute. He's like, we've got to fight. And I think it's good for him that he fights like the underdog, that he's not taking anything for granted. The reason I think he went overtime yesterday is he knows there are polls out there saying that he's gone down with black voters. He started running down. Al, black voters need to understand that I've brought black unemployment from 9.5% down to 5%. Historic. I've helped to close the gap between black and white families. He started running tangible things he did in the black community uh, that he wants voters to know. That's not a guy that's waiting to relax and they'll come in later. So I think that the thing that will motivate Joe Biden, and people will forget he's 81 years old, is Donald Trump. You know, when I was a kid, I, I was blessed enough to have a relationship with Muhammad Ali. There were certain opponents that made Ali really train because they were challenges. I think Donald Trump brings the youth out of Joe Biden. We're about to see, because right now he does not do any speeches, does not do any interviews, gives one-word answers, and he doesn't really communicate. Takes a lot of vacation days, and it looks like he doesn't even want to talk to his secretary of defense. So you could compare Joe Biden to Muhammad Ali. I believe that is a all-time first. I think for the rest of my years on this planet, no one will ever say Joe Biden is the Muhammad Ali of anything Muhammad Ali, one of the most famous, successful, impactful people in the world, his entire adult life, and he, certain people will get him to train. Yeah, I, I, the only reason he says he stays in the race because he thinks he's the only one that could beat Donald Trump. But what I think is significant is how many people in his party have used, an, have used another outlet to say how bad he's doing and how bad his team is, re-election team is, and how bad his messaging is. The latest one is Simone Sanders. Uh, former 2020 Biden campaign aide and communications director, now on MSNBC. Quote, they are not going to get Bidenomics, meaning this is what she puts out. Let it go, she tells Biden. How about you just make sure they know what you're going to do and what you did? You can give folks all the numbers about GDP, all these other things, but the data doesn't move people. Stories move people. You haven't seen him do that, what he can do best. He's been on prompter. He's been standing on stages looking very professional with flags behind him. He gives his speech and he gets out. When was the last time you saw Joe Biden on a rope line? Okay. When is the last time you saw him on a rope line? When's the last time you saw Joe Biden in a town hall taking questions from the American people? Really? Is she serious? Joe Biden's need uh, needs to campaign like Joe Biden knows how to campaign. When people see him in uh, a more intimate setting, they stop thinking about it. Oh, he's old. They start listening, what he has to say. A couple of things. They don't think that. They don't think the more you see Joe Biden, the better it's going to be. It is not Barack Obama with 44% approval rating looking to beat Mitt Romney Trump by five points after a bad debate. It is not Bill Clinton coming off uh, lying about his affair with Monica Lewinsky and getting impeached by uh, the House or the Senate. I forgot which one. This is not it. Because the more he communicates, the more people think he can't do the job. Do you know only 20% think he has the cognitive ability to do the job? I never even thought of that question would ever come up on a president, a presidential candidate. So they want him to be himself. Good luck with that. You'll see him. The guy has trouble walking. Bernie Sanders, the day before, said it's very hard for most Americans to get excited about what's going on amid Biden's re-election campaign. He urges him to change course on the Israeli-Hamas war. Right. 
So go ahead, abandon an ally. That'll help. Like you abandon Afghanistan and you've lost interest in Ukraine. Trish, listening in Florida. Hey, Trish. Hey, Brian. How are you? Good. What's in your mind? Well, I just wanted to say that I did stay up late to watch the uh, Iowa caucuses last night, and I saw President Trump's speech, and I was very moved by it. And it gave me so much hope, and I just feel so – I'm so enthusiastic, and I'm so hopeful for 2024, and I'm just really looking forward to the election. But I wanted to know what you think about second place. Who do you really think – got second place. No, I think DeSantis got second by about two points. But the question is, what's next? Haley's got the makeup of New Hampshire gives Haley the best shot of beating Trump. And if Trump is going to win the general, he's got to have a game plan for New Hampshire that you can transpose to the rest of the country, the Georgias, the Michigan, the Pennsylvanias of the world, to go ahead and lock in Ohio to a degree. You can't take it for granted uh, and see if he could get a shot at Wisconsin. So you have to say to yourself, yeah, I got, I got the conservatives. I got the evangelicals, but there's not enough to win a general. So the way he was last night, he was magnanimous. The way he was at our town hall when he said, I have no time for retribution, that was great. So that's what he's got to show. It's all there for in front of him, and I think he's gotten the message. I, talk, I did speak to him last night, and he was really upbeat, really, really upbeat. By the way, if you want to see me on stage, and I know you do, uh, it's going to be streaming on Fox Nation. So uh, on the 21st, 3 o'clock Eastern Time, Joliet, Illinois. If you're anywhere near there, drive there. You can get tickets, VIP opportunities. I'll be talking about all my books, America's History, Motivational and Inspirational. BrianKillMe.com. From high atop Fox News headquarters in New York City, always seeking solutions, never sowing division. It's Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everyone. Brian Kilmeade here. Guess what? It is, uh, we are coming to you from Midtown Manhattan, heard around the country, around the world. Uh, where sadly we had another subway crime. A 45-year-old grandfather, young guy for a grandfather, saw a fight on a subway. So he tried to break it up. He gets shot and killed. I mean, this type of the craziness is still taking place. I'm not saying it never happened under Rudy Giuliani and, uh, and Police Chief Bratton or Kelly. But I'm just saying that they still can't stop these people from beating the fares, costing millions of dollars. And now you can't stop the subways. Why does someone feel as though they could take a gun in a city that has zero tolerance and then shoot somebody and get away with it? Kellyanne Conway is standing by. Law and order very much on the ballot. Simulcast with Stuart Varney last week. So now we have the Iowa results to go over. And then we have New Hampshire to preview. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. The federal law is very clear. If you're a federal employee, you can't strike. Striking is not an option. Under federal law, it's a crime. Yeah, uh, federal law, it's a crime. They're going to do it anyway. Believe it or not, if, if those who are not snowed out will walk out. Hundreds of Biden employees plan to walk out of their jobs because they don't support his Hamas war stand. Really? You should be fired. Number two. 
they are not going to get Bidenomics. Let it go. How about you just make sure that they know what you're going to do? When's the last time you saw Joe Biden in a town hall taking questions from the American people? Joe Biden needs to campaign like Joe Biden knows how to campaign. When people see him, they stop thinking about, oh, how old is he? They start listening to what he is saying. Simone Sanders, who used to run the campaign or be a higher up a campaign, a key aide in the communications department of the White House, giving advice to Joe Biden and his handlers let Joe go out there, work a rope line in a town hall? Really? Okay, good idea. Let's try it. They are flush with cash, though. Number one. It is as close for Donald Trump to being a 99-county sweep of the state as you can get. Look at the one county that is not Trump's shade of red on here. It's Johnson County. Donald Trump lost it to Nikki Haley by a single vote. So Donald Trump literally came one single vote away from going 99 for 99 in Iowa. And that was brought up by Steve Kornacki of MSNBC. Trump hits all his goals. Massive Iowa caucus victory. Not a massive turnout, though. We examine the results in preview New Hampshire, which promises to bring a much different electorate to the polls. Also, by the way, listen to every day. If you're not uh, on affiliate right now, sadly, we're not there. Uh, if you're not, uh, watch or listen on the Fox News app. See or hear the show live. Just click on watch on Fox News app. You'll see the headsets. Plus, get the podcast on your favorite podcast platform. So Kellyanne Conway joins us now, former senior counselor to President Trump and author of the book, Here's the Deal. Kellyanne, assess uh, your former boss's performance last night. Dominance, pure and simple, full scale uh, dominance and victory. And there's no way to sugarcoat it or spin it. I looked at the polling. Brian, and this has kind of been baked from last summer. If you look at the polling in last from, from last July, Donald Trump was hovering about 40s, mid-40s, late 40s, almost 50% here in Iowa, and Ron DeSantis at about high teens, sometimes 20%. So, And that was really reflected in the Fox News voter analysis. The one figure that really jumped out at me are the number of people who said they knew all along how they were going to vote, 44% of the caucus electorate. And according to the Fox News voter analysis, about three-quarters of them said they voted for Donald Trump. So it's pretty remarkable. I think that he's changed the way campaigning happens in Iowa as well. Sure, we love retail politicking. I'm a pollster of decades. I love getting with the people. But um, he had the fewest number of stops here in Iowa, about 25 events. Vivek Ramaswamy had 10 times that, 240. Some Nikki Haley, Ron DeSantis certainly had a lot of events. Nikki Haley had all the king's horses, all the king's men when it came to that last minute infusion of cash. The ads were nonstop. Uh, the vaunted ground game for Ron DeSantis, I think, helped him squeak out the second place finish. But it's so distant from Trump. I think Trump is basically win, play, show. Yeah. Um, has all the top spots here. If I were Ron DeSantis, I would graciously drop out. I'd say I'm a 45-year-old young man in politics, successful governor of the third largest state. I'm going to help Trump uh, get get win, and I'm going to help him beat Joe Biden, and then we'll see what the future brings. I think he should go the way of Vivek. But, uh, but it doesn't Haley seem he is, Kellyanne. It doesn't seem like he is. Have you heard that he is? Looks like he went no, to uh, South Carolina is, today and then was, to New Hampshire. No, I haven't heard that he is, but that would be my advice. I think they're all sticking around in case Trump is the nominee for some reason. But um, but look, I heard Nikki Haley on Fox News this morning say to you that uh, Fox and Friends this morning that um, it's a two-person race. It's a two-person race. She said that last night. She's right. It is a two-person race, but it's between Donald Trump and Joe Biden. And uh, she cannot win. The path to the Republican nomination cannot go through Democrat and independent voters. 
It just doesn't work that way. And as a Republican, as a conservative, we should, I shouldn't want it to work that way. We want to make sure that the way the party is expanding now, where all the articles in the polling show President Trump is doing better among Hispanics, among African-Americans, among union households, among self-identified independents, among first-time voters, um, and even among some young people and some groups of women than he has in the past and that Republicans have in a while. Nobody wants to revert back to the Romney-McCain model. It's a losing model. And it suggests that you're, quote, electable. Donald Trump completely blew electability out of the water the way he did in 2016. I'd say the word around Donald Trump now is not electability. It's inevitability. Here is uh, what Governor Ron DeSantis said last night, a little cut seven. But I can tell you, because of your support, in spite of all of that that they threw at us, everyone against us, we've got our ticket punched out of Iowa. We represent a chance to reverse the madness that we've seen in this country, to reverse the decline of this country, and to give this country a new birth of freedom and a restoration of sanity. That's what we are going to do. So how long can you continue if you come in second or third? How much does it really cost to stay in it? And how much does President Bob Trump need to close it out quick to get money? I saw Reince Priebus on Sunday said, the money flows in when you become the, the presumptive nominee. So could I ask both those questions? How, how much money would he get? How, how significant is that? And for Ron DeSantis, is it very costly to stay in? Well, for Ron DeSantis, it's very costly to stay in because his burn rate has been just eye-popping. And he, by all accounts, he, his super PAC and his campaign, Brian, spent nine figures. I've seen that many times, like over $100 million, $150 million combined, and basically in one state to win not a single one of the 99 counties in Iowa. So there's your proof. I think that the, um, the two people emerging victorious last night out of Iowa are Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis' consultants, many of whom he's since fired. You know, he's like, I'm not going to have chaos and crisis. Uh, it'll get better when the money comes in. It'll get better when I announce. It never got better. And yes, his ground game helped him get one in five caucus voters, but he put so much in here. It wasn't for lack of trying. He's a governor of Florida, but he seemed like a resident of Iowa. And right. so moving forward, I don't think that money is going to be there. So much of the big donors have gravitated toward Nikki because they're misreading her support, um, saying she's electable against Biden. If she's, if she's building a coalition of Democrats and independents, many of them will go back to Biden or whoever the Democratic. So you don't believe the polls that. that say head to head, she's between seven and she's up seven to 17? 17 over Biden? No, I don't believe that. I think that she has an advantage, but I think everybody has an advantage because the big story is Joe Biden there. And even more than Nikki Haley, it's Joe Biden, that people, even the Democrats are disaffected with him. But a lot of them will come home. A lot of them will vote down ballot. It's really just the independents. Look, she can do what she wants. I just think that last night proved that um, Donald Trump, he's actually the one being gracious. She went after him again in her concession, in her victories, in her non-victory victory speech. She went after Trump again. He's the one saying, let's heal and unify the party. I think the question also is for the Senate leadership, who've had a very fraught, if not fractured, relationship with President Trump, some of them. Um, what are they going to do? Because he's probably, after being unfairly blamed for the 2022 losses, midterm losses, where we had a lot of underwhelming candidates, where a mm-hmm. lot of the candidates had marbles in their mouth when it came to abortion and the Dobbs decision, um, he was unfairly blamed for that. I think Donald Trump is the best bet for the Republicans to flip the Senate 
2024 and to retain and, and gain steam and gain seats in the House and flip some of these governorships, although there's a lot of retirements going on, so that's tough. But it, it, it goes from the top. If he can make himself competitive again like we did in 2016 in Michigan, in Wisconsin, in mm-hmm. Pennsylvania, he can hold on to Iowa and Ohio. Listen, Iowa is a state that Barack Obama and Joe Biden has a ticket carried twice, Brian. This is not a, quote, red state. It's been a it, 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 there was there are plenty of Democratic senators, governors here um, for many years. It's he helped turn the state more toward him. And it's based on policies and issues. I think when Joe Biden is talking about mega MAGA and Donald Trump, Donald Trump, he's missing his opportunity to dig into some of those Trump voters, whereas Trump's already expanding beyond his base. I, I say he's base plus mm-hmm. where Biden, those polls against Nikki show that Biden's suffering among his own base. Um, that traditional democratic coalition is fraying. He scaffolded it together very delicately. But, but do, do you worry? Do you worry, Kellyanne, that he's got 33 percent approval rating? He can't do an interview. He can't do a town hall. Uh, he doesn't do press conferences, and yet head to head with the president and with Governor DeSantis is two or three points. Would that concern you if you were running things? Yeah, of course it concerns me, but I think both Trump and Biden will be under 50 percent in head-to-head national polls for quite a while. It's the statewide polls that matter. When I became campaign manager in 2016, we never again conducted a national poll. There would be no point in it. It was all statewide polls. In fact, we were very focused on counties, not even entire states. Uh, I wrote about this in my book, Here's the Deal. And that that's the way I know that and he's got such a great – the president has such a great operation this time, President Trump, and, and organization and money and discipline, et cetera. But am I worried? Sure, because the Democrats have an advantage on one big thing. They have an advantage on mechanics. They have already know how to turn out the early vote. They already know how to get people to vote by mail, vote in person early, um, bank that vote early. John Fetterman led Oz by four to one in the early vote. Oz in the Pennsylvania Senate race in 2022, Brian, he got two million votes on election day. It's not enough. It's never going to be yep. enough to make up the deficit. You and I are big sports fans. You can't score five touchdowns in the last two minutes. It might have happened once ever. Don't leave that to chance. Get those get those points on the board early. And I'm happy to hear President Trump endorsing, you know, bank your vote early, telling people to hang on to the ballot. I don't like the new normal, but if this is the law, we need to play into it. So I think right. we have an advantage on uh, President Trump's team, the Republican Party has an advantage on um, for whom to vote and why to vote, policy prescriptions, uh, pr- philosophies. The Democrats have an advantage in telling people where to vote, when to vote, and how to vote. How not the candidates, but how meaning which mm. b- through which form. So, and uh, and they, that, that's uh, so I'm worried about mechanics. Yes. Yeah. So um, I want you to, before we get back to mechanics, I want you to hear this. So people are trying to speculate why Joy Reid didn't do uh, why Nikki Haley didn't do better. Joy Reid has a theory. Cut fifteen. It's the elephant in the room. She's still a brown lady that's got to try to win in a party that is deeply anti-immigrant. It's still a challenge. I don't see how she becomes the nominee of that party with Donald Trump still around. I can't picture it happening. Maybe it could happen. Ron DeSantis's only argument for staying in it is he's the white guy that he can still make the appeal to white people. Are you are you uh, stunned by that assessment of your party? Nah, but who cares? Honestly, it's totally irrelevant. Um, these people look at the all these never Trumpers. They're going to get him. They're impeaching him. They're indicting him. They're this that, that. They look so ridiculous today. 
this man's total domination. It's not his base. It's not a cult. It's not sheep. This is a, he won college and non-college educated. He won rural or suburban and urban. He won evangelical Christian, non-evangelical Christian. He won young people. He won older people. It's just a full-scale victory that the other side mm-hmm. can't claim for Biden. His problems are coming from inside the House. But, you know, the, this, this invoking racism and sexism about every single thing, people have had enough of it. Of course there is racism and sexism in, in different places um, in, our, in our nation. That's, that's a fact. But always looking for it and finding it. It's terrible. In this, it, it, it's terrible, and it divides the nation at a time. I mean, Trump is the one who looks like the unifier and the healer today. Also, I think that uh, the person that you're just elevating in those clips um, sounds like Fannie Willis, this prosecutor in Georgia who's now been caught giving money allegedly to a man, uh, her boyfriend um, to be a, quote, special prosecutor involved in the case. That doesn't look good at all. That whole thing could be bounced. And she's she's in a church of all things talking about sexism and racism and and uh, black women make mistakes. What? <laughs> I mean, you have to just be an honest, transparent prosecutor. If, uh, you know, uh, I want you to hear, too. This is the problem. If Trump is able to win this. The, his opponent and the Democratic Party are going to go so make Trump seem so untenable, unpalatable that he, the people are going to really believe the country's coming apart. So here he is making his concession speech. Listen to CNN and MSNBC. Cut to. We have an invasion of millions and millions of people that are coming into our country. I can't imagine why they think that's a good thing. Donald Trump yeah. declaring victory with a historically strong show. So I mean, what are you doing? He's talking about the border. Everyone agrees the border. He's got to jump in and help the American public not to hear it. Yeah, well, not everyone believes that Alejandro Mayorkas, whose job it is to solve the crisis at the border, won't call it a crisis. Joe Biden won't call it a crisis. Brian, it doesn't matter. I'll tell you why. People in this country are smart and they are savvy and they know that the big difference in 2024 and perhaps forevermore is the distinction between what the other side says and what you see, and I believe people are going to go with what they see with their own two eyes, rising prices, rising crime, a border that's totally open and out of control, chaos in the Middle East and Ukraine. Uh, you name everywhere you look, there's a problem. Everywhere you look. And you know what? The Fox News voter analysis showed in Iowa, in the caucus, 40% said immigration was a top issue. It be, even beat out the economy at 33%. Foreign policy was about 7%. And you know why? That's because Donald Trump elevated it eight years ago, and they called him the same names he just played in that clip then. And all of a sudden, it's a top issue to people because they know what they see. I don't need to hear what other people say if I know what I see. And people know what they see, and I, tr- I, I trust the public to vote according to what they see. Um, and look, the fact is, if you call it border security, right. it's much more you, – you get more women, you get more independence, you get more young people. Immigration, some people look at that as being against individual people. You talk about border security, that's national security, that's sovereignty, that's safety. It's an economic issue. It's a fairness issue, gotcha. certainly. It's a resource issue. So the, the language could, yeah, that, though. Yeah, he could easily adjust that. Uh, Kellyanne Conway, thanks so much. Thank you, Brian. All right, one eight six eight. Stay safe in Iowa. One eight six six four zero eight seven six six nine. And by the way, we'll be in New Hampshire covering the primary, so uh, hopefully you'll be with us too. Don't move. It's Brian Kilmeade. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. 
Hey, we are back. Let's go out to the phones now, see what you have to say. Daniel, you're in Georgia. What's on your mind? Brian Kilme, I have finally gotten through to talk to you. I, I, uh, You are one of my three favorite Fox personalities, you and Jesse Waters and Sean Hannity. So uh, you guys well, do a top-notch job. Thanks, man. Uh, what did you think of your, uh, Iowa's results? I, uh, I'm not surprised. I mean, I, I thought that Trump uh, would have gotten more, but, you know, as more I'm, – I'm sitting there watching the ticker. As more come in, his percentage dropped, but he still stayed above the 50%. Um, I don't necessarily agree with something that was played earlier on your show where, you know, uh, the whole, you know, uh, immigration or, or uh, when, as far as, like, Nikki Haley doesn't have a chance uh, because of, uh, you know – uh, some other factors, but I think she still does. I think um, she, um, you know, she's still in there fighting. Well, we, we don't know what's going to happen next weekend. Uh, yeah, if she closes with, you know, she's if she's tight, it, it's going to be a new interest in the race, no doubt about it. Because then she goes to South Carolina, where Trump is strong, but she has a base too. Thanks. If you're interested in it, Brian's talking about it. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Thank you so much. Oh, my God. You're totally shaming me with disability by standing up. It's fine. Okay. Um. <laughs> Body, not by Ozempic. Okay, let's go. Uh, some of you may know me as Kelly Bundy from Married with Children. Um, thank you. We don't, we don't have to applaud every time I do something. Um. So I guess her whole thing is she's got MS now, right? Yes, Christina Applegate. She does. She was presenting at the uh, Emmys last night, I believe. Right. Um, so that's interesting. So she got a she got a, a warm warm applause because she's going through a lot. She did. Yeah, she came out. You know, she has a cane. So she had someone else's arm. You know, help getting out. Um, but yeah, she, I mean, she handled it with you know humility and humor, and it was very. It was it was a very. She did a good job. Right. Uh, so for the most part, the Emmys got overwhelmed by Iowa. Don't you think? I do. I do think so. And it sounds like it was actually maybe a little bit more interesting because they honored a bunch of just iconic old shows, right? Like Cheers, I think All in the Family. They had a lot of reunions. So it looked more interesting than other award shows in the past. I cannot believe you don't mean All in the Family, do you? Not All in the Family. Um, they had. I just saw a quick brief thing of all of them, but they did do a lot of iconic sitcoms and they had a lot of, like they redid the, the set and as many of the cast that could be there were there. Um, so it seems they tried to change it up a bit. Yeah. I uh, will say, I mean, the Golden Globes were pretty much a flop that, uh, that host ruined his life, uh, by grabbing the job at the last minute. I get the, is it Anthony Anderson? Is that the one who, who hosted this time? But I saw a lot of the pictures online. There were a bunch of after parties where people, they like to salute themselves. So it's good. You know, congratulations. I think, I think TV, uh, and movies are over the biggest change in our lifetime. I mean, if, you, if you're somebody, the biggest star anymore, they're not paying big money. I mean, besides the franchises, the Mission Impossibles, the, uh, any of the Marvel franchises who haven't been paying off lately, what guarantees do you have? There's, there's no guaranteed box office hit. Adam Sandler was on a roll for a while. I guess uh, Tom Cruise was on a roll for a while. Whatever they touched wins. The Rock was on a roll until uh, Black Adam. But there's no layups anymore. And then you have these big stars with movies that go right to streaming 
And these streaming outlets go, yeah, the checkbook's kind of closed these days because we're not getting – a lot of people are saying, I have too many subscriptions. I'm getting rid of them. So the Netflix, the Hulu, why do I need both? NBC, Peacock, why do I need that? Disney, Disney Plus, do I really need that? So people are asking themselves, so people go, okay, cable's dead, fine. Well, now subscribe, don't think that streaming's living. I mean, because people go, I don't even remember the last time I, I, you know, you hear about movies, I got to go watch that. But that's not urgency, it's in the theater, I'm going to go watch that when I'm free. I don't really see that. You don't, but what I will say is, what, two of the biggest movies last year, right? Oppenheimer and Barbie. They were very well done, and you loved Oppenheimer, and that right. is a theatric experience. Okay, but they used to be like 15. True. They used to be 20. Now, I know they're coming off the strike and everything, but I, that, I mean, is that why we're seeing so many game shows now? How many game shows are we seeing? Rob Lowe's hosting a game show. Uh, what's his name was hosting a ba- uh, game show. Uh, there was the one... I'm not going to be able to read your mind here. I'm not sure. No, I know, but it was the one. <laughs> I think they're truth or pr- false. It was true or false. Okay. It was but they never seem to last. Oil. Snake, Snake oil. oil. Okay. They never uh, seem to last that long, though. I know. Uh, unless you're doing the, you know, American Price Idol right, or something yeah. like that. All right. Uh, so those are those are a few of the things. But just going back to what we're experiencing right now with this whole. Uh, looking into New Hampshire. I'm so glad we're back in action on Tuesday. We're going to be there uh, to do the show on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. But looking back at the results now, I'm just stunned that some people don't think Trump has a massive victory. But I do think that you're also wrong to think it is over. I don't blame Elise Stefanik, who's firmly in the Trump camp, for saying it's over. I don't blame Donald Trump for wanting it to be over. And for people like Kellyanne Conway, I get it. And it is going to be tough for DeSantis to come out. But it's not over for Haley yet. Because Haley has a chance to go get within striking distance of the president in New Hampshire. And if she does with moderates undecided, she will look more and more. She'll get more and more sponsors, more and more supporters, more and more money. And then when she goes into South Carolina, if she is gets close and then to set up some drama with Nevada. But it's going to be interesting in Nevada because you have a choice. Caucus or primary. She chose the primary. Trump and DeSantis chose the caucus, so there's no head-to-head there, all right? So that leads us up to Super Tuesday, at which time the the trials really start on the criminal side with Trump. So I don't think it is over yet because New Hampshire is so much different than Iowa, so we'll have to see. So uh, Steve Kornacki talked about what exactly the magnitude of Trump's victory. Cut 23. It is as close for Donald Trump to being a 99-county sweep of the state as you can get without actually getting a 99-county sweep. And what I mean is look at the one county that is not Trump's shade of red on here. It's Johnson County, where Iowa City and the University of Iowa are. And look at the result here. Donald Trump lost it to Nikki Haley by a single vote. So Donald Trump literally came one single vote away from going 99 for 99 in Iowa uh, last night here. So having said that, largest victory ever, the biggest margin in history, but it didn't stop Governor J.B. Pritzker as part of the defense team for Joe Biden, because Joe Biden can't speak, for saying this, cut 13. Almost half of the base of the Republican Party showing up for this caucus tonight voted against Donald Trump. 
think about that. I mean, this is the most famous Republican. He's the guy who, you know, basically built the modern Republican Party, the MAGA Republican Party that Democrats are running against. And half the people in that party didn't vote for Donald Trump. Well, I mean, that's the most interesting spin ever. So the largest margin of victory ever isn't enough for him. When you have Ron DeSantis, the most successful governor in the country, and then when you have governor, uh, when you have governor and ambassador Nikki Haley, two fine candidates, and then you also have Vivek Ramaswamy with seven, eight points. It makes it impossible to let them not get any points. It's not like you're going against Asa Hutchinson. So that's where he said, I mean, you could spin it. I expect it. At least you didn't see it's unpalatable and he's a war criminal and all these other things. But leading up to New Hampshire, Donald Trump feels good about himself. He was magnanimous in his victory speech. Caitlin Collins on CNN Brought this up, though. And one of the reasons why Trump feels relieved is he won. Cut 14. To see him give that speech, I think, speaks to how he feels after this victory tonight. But I also think this is a speech that he's giving after he has not had any wins in several years. I mean, he lost the 2020 election. He's facing 91 criminal counts. And I think that is what is fueling that attitude that you saw there, where he was speaking graciously of his opponents, clearly calling on them to drop out of the race. But I think it's also because he has not had a win like that in so long. I mean, he's only dealing with criminal charges and civil suits and trials. Yeah, um, I, I don't I don't think that's an unfair analysis. I think that uh, that works. And I think it is good to win. It's always good to win. You break a you, you break. But I wouldn't say he's been losing nonstop. There are candidates that won in 2020. Do you know the House almost flipped out of nowhere under Kevin McCarthy and President Trump in 2020? And it wasn't uh, was the most it was the oddest election in all of our lifetimes in 2020. And he did get more votes than any Republican in history in 2020 while losing to the worst candidate ever, but didn't have to campaign. But I look forward to the way he handled it. Don't defend but then indeed, not every one of his candidates lost. The House did flip. Uh, you know, guys like the governor, the Mastriano over over in Pennsylvania. Dr. Oz was a great candidate, but they just, I guess, not enough. Fetterman did a better job getting the vote out early. Mastriano was an absolute joke. Uh, Carrie Lake ran too much to the right in a very purple area in Arizona. So I wouldn't say they're flat-out losses. We'll see how it goes. Uh, overall, we'll see how it goes. For President Trump, for President Biden, he's online showing that he's really cool. He's selling giant uh, Brandon heads, these uh, fat heads that go on the go. Uh, he signs them and then go on those walls. You know what they're doing? So they're fundraising. One thing he does have is one hundred seventy-one million dollars, which is pretty substantial. Uh, which is pretty substantial for re-election. Uh, yeah, one hundred seventeen million on hand. Uh, the president and vice president raised about $97 million in the fourth quarter last year. But there is nowhere else for the money to go. He has not indicated to anyone, to Governor Newsom, to get it together, for Governor Whitmer to get it together, uh, for Pritzker to go ahead and run. So anybody who's a Democrat and doesn't like Trump will give him the money. So I expect him to have the money. The problem is he can't campaign. For Donald Trump, this is going to be his biggest test because I think he's going to have to appeal to moderates, independents. I think he should welcome the abortion talk. I think that Governor Nikki Haley also is strong on that for Republicans who are both pro-life, but understand that everyone they need votes from are. I also think that you in New Hampshire you can talk strongly about the border, illegal immigration, and they care about the northern border. That is also collapsing, not being reinforced. That is also huge. Freedom is big there. You got about one point. Four million people in the entire state. Now, Governor Sununu has, fray, has a lot of sway. His brother was 
uh, was a senator there. His dad was a, a governor there, former chief of Stanford H.W. Bush, and he is heavily for Haley. But if Trump wins big here, I would have to think it's over. I would have to think it's over. And I don't know what the finances are for DeSantis, but I think he sticks around. You listen to the Brian Kilmeade Show. When we come back, we I'm going to take some calls. But first, do a simulcast with Stuart Varney. Don't move. Now, the Brian Kilmeade Show joins Fox Business's Varney and Company with Stuart Varney. Live on your radio and on Fox Business. Here's Brian Kilmeade. That's right. I'm way overdressed for radio because i got to do something on TV. FBN is uh, going to have me on in a matter of moments. Keep in mind, I see everybody up there, uh, calls from New York and over in Florida. I'll get to your calls on the back end. Stuart Varney uses, usually uh, leaves us a little bit of time on the back end to, uh, to take some phone calls, so I appreciate that. We're talking about the election, the Iowa results. We're also uh, going to talk about what's happening uh, in Washington today. Snow, uh, if snow allows them to go to work... There's going to be a huge walkout today. Talk about that. Show me the Dow right now. It's down 136. So without Boeing, it'd be down a mere 30 points. NASDAQ turned around. It's up 24. Okay. It's 10.51, right on the bottom. Kilmeade's with us. Brian, President Trump thanked his supporters following his big win last night. You've got to watch this. Roll it. ...together, uh, whether it's Republican or Democrat or liberal or conservative, it would be so nice if we could come together and straighten out the world and straighten out the problems and straighten out all of the death and destruction that we're witnessing. That's practically never been like this. It's uh, just so important. And I want to make that a very big part of our message. We're going to come together. It's going to happen soon, too. You know, Brian, that's uh, a new tone from yes. Trump. Is, is it a new strategy, perhaps? You know, I hope so. There's nothing negative about it. And man, does it help him in New Hampshire. Because New yep. Hampshire, 40 percent are, un, are undeclared when it comes to candidacy. And we know how many Democrats who have nothing to do because Joe Biden boycotted the state will register to vote. And they're not he's not letting them. He's not putting his chin out. He's not going over there being provocative. And I think the groundwork was laid for that. And I saw a change on our town hall. You saw how he was taking these questions. Yeah, people saying, exactly. I'm not voting for you, but I'm voting. This is why. And he wasn't getting angry. And he said, I'm not into retribution. I have no time for retribution. If I get in there, I'm going to have to fix the country. And then he wants DeSantis and Haley. He said they did well and Vivek did great. Two days yeah. before, he said Vivek's a fake. So uh, it's kind of interesting. But I'm, this is going to be so fascinating, Stuart. How he handles New Hampshire, does he change the message that all my callers on the radio are saying he can't change, he doesn't do it? Uh, but I think if he's going to change the message at all for New Hampshire— because he knows a convincing win is going to make it very hard for Haley and DeSantis to continue. But if Haley finishes third in a state she kind of gave up on, Iowa, and then is within single digits in New Hampshire, she'll have money and momentum heading into her state of South Carolina. But if he can moderate his message a little bit for those people, maybe he's shown people what I'll be like in the general. He's a very smart politician. On the other side of the coin, is this a wake-up call for the Democrats that they need a better strategy or a better candidate. It was hysterical to watch the other stations carry Trump as if to say, didn't I tell you, Republicans, that this guy's not worthy? He shouldn't be president. He's a criminal. Didn't I give you 91 charges, four separate indictments, three civil trials? What more evidence do you need? And the, basically the Republicans, moderates, independents, undecided are going, I like that guy better. I like what he did for four years better than what he's done for three years. 
and the issues are overwhelming the court cases. And a lot of people see pure, pure politics in the momentum and uh, magnitude of the charges. And we're seeing it today. You're seeing, I don't know if it's innocent or guilty, but you're seeing a civil trial that is supported by a Democratic, by a Democratic uh, money for, a, for yeah. a woman to come forward for something that may or may not have happened in the mid-90s. Where did that come from? How could you say that's not politically oriented? If, there's a, if it is a head-to-head matchup, Trump versus Biden in November, I say Trump wins. What say you? Well, he's up by two in the real clear average. But you know what it's like saying in preseason, what do you think, who's going to be in the World Series, how many games it's going to go? I could tell you right now he's got an advantage. And you know who said that last night? John King on CNN. Uh, I thought Jake Tapper was going to collapse. He came out and said, right now, Trump wins head-to-head. But let's see how this thing plays out. Let's see what's going on in the world. All right, Brian, I'm out of time, but thanks for being with us. All good stuff today. All right, thank you, Stuart. Iowa big win. Thanks, Brian. Kill me. All right, uh, Joe in Long Island. Hey, Joe. Brian. Hi, Brian. Good morning. Hey, what's on your mind? Listen, my honest critique, I was up all night watching this, Nikki Haley. Her speech was tone deaf when she said, and you, you said it on Fox and Friends this morning, Iowans have spoken, and it's a two-person race. You came in third. You got trounced by 30%. I'm going to tell you my honest feeling of her. She can't think on her feet. She gives billboard talking points. She's not very endearing. And then you answered a question about Joy Reid this morning about the r- racism. She actually said, We've never been a racist country. I was floored after her flub on the Civil War and slavery. Does she, she needs to read your book, Teddy and Booker T. My God, what about the? How can you say, say that after what you said about the Civil War? The Republican Party was started by abolitionists in the 1850s. I'm not a historian, but 600,000 people were killed because of racism. Uh, blacks were considered three-fifths of humans. We did have this in our history. 1960s, the right, right. Yeah, I know. Well, yeah, you know what she could have said. She goes, "Well, if they're talking about the Democratic Party. They got a they had a, a dicey history. The Republican Party uh, was the party of Lincoln. A party pushed back against segregation. Uh, they fought a war to get rid of slavery. But that well, we didn't have to go back that far. What Joy Reid said is so out of bounds, as if any Republican can't get tried, as if Nikki Haley did not win Iowa because she was has an Indian heritage." That's what I was hoping that she would say. But I do think she's quick on her feet. I do think she's very secure. It doesn't need a script. That's not that's not the issue. The question is, can a can a traditional Republican beat a Trump Republican if that Republican is actually Donald Trump himself? Like what would happen if it was DeSantis against Haley? I mean, what would the what would the the score be? Because we saw the debates. It got really personal, really vicious. But I'll just add to this. It looks like uh, she has made it clear, and I don't blame her. If Donald Trump's not in the debate, she will not debate. So therefore, the debates this week in ABC and all the others are off. I don't blame her because when DeSantis in, in her debate, uh, they hurt each other. Uh, and they, they, I get really confused. My head will be between who's weak on China, who's weak on drilling, and Donald Trump sits on the sidelines and his numbers grow. All right, thanks so much for listening. Go to BrianKillMe.com. Order anything you want, including on the shop. You can get shirts now and jackets that say stay within yourself. What a great message to change America. Don't you think? Don't move.
Fox News Radio Studios in Midtown Manhattan. It's the fastest growing radio talk show. Brian Kilmeade. Brian Kilmeade here. You heard the guy with the deep voice. I confirm it. Uh, we have a big hour coming to you. Jason Chaffetz, kind enough to be in studio. And uh, we're going to talk about what's happening overseas with Tom Caraco. Uh, he's got a good handle on that. Uh, Tom is a senior fellow with the International Security Program and director of the Missile Defense Project at the Center for Strategic and International Studies. Uh, so we have to find out what's happening. I don't know if you guys heard, but the Houthi rebels rocketed one of our commercial vessels. Uh, good, good news is it wasn't damaged, but the bad news is they can reach it. So that is bringing almost all commerce to a halt in the Red Sea. And I know you're just saying, I don't go there, I don't live there, but you do are affected. Shipping rates are now up 700%, costing millions of dollars on the reroute. That'll affect almost everything that you buy. So pay attention. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. The federal law is very clear. If you're a federal employee, you can't strike. Striking is not an option. Under federal law, it's a crime. Uh, that is Andy McCarthy interviewing with me today, talking about the big walkout. Hundreds of Biden administration employees and congressional aides will walk out because they're upset by President Biden's policy and support of Israel. Do you believe this? Number two. They are not going to get Bidenomics. Let it go. How about you just make sure that they know what you're going to do? When's the last time you saw Joe Biden in a town hall taking questions from the American people? Joe Biden needs to campaign like Joe Biden knows how to campaign. When people see him, they stop thinking about, oh, how old is he? They start listening to what he is saying. And that is uh, Ainsley Earhart doing her impersonation of Simone Sanders. That's what she tweeted out. By the way, when you see Joe Biden in person, you never stop thinking, how old is this guy? Number one. It is as close for Donald Trump to being a 99-county sweep of the state as you can get. Look at the one county that is not Trump's shade of red on here. It's Johnson County. Donald Trump lost it to Nikki Haley by a single vote. So Donald Trump literally came one single vote away from going 99 for 99 in Iowa. Yup, Trump hits all of his goals. A massive Iowa caucus victory. We examine the results and preview New Hampshire, which promises to bring a much different electorate to the polls. And let me remind you, if you ever want to listen to the show and you're out of your area where our affiliate is, you can always go to Fox News app, click on the headsets. You could watch uh, watch us, too, on uh, on Fox Nation. Plus, you get our podcast wherever. Uh, and by the way, just look for the Brian Kilmeade Show. Jason Chaffetz always has us on the podcast. Me and Joe Rogan. Is that correct? Oh, Are yeah. the only two you listen to? Yeah, he toggles back and forth between the two. Megan Kelly or no? No. no. They, they kill me. It's, it's just pretty much Brian Kilmeade. Yeah. There's a great friction I can't in even house. spell it, but I can find it. Right. That's that's all that matters. <laughs> because you worked in Congress for all. You don't need to spell. Oh, yeah. do you believe, I got people for that. Do you believe uh, congressmen and women should get a raise? Yes. I told it's $174,000. It, it, it is a lot, but you're expected to have two residencies. Um, taxes, and, 40% go for taxes, right? Yeah. It, it, Washington, D.C. is one of the most expensive places, and you, you're overseeing trillions of dollars. You want to get rid of the temptation. I do. I really do believe they should. How much would, would work for you? Uh, I mean – I don't know a specific amount, but they should make as much as a cabinet secretary. I think if you toggled those two together, that would make sense. Would a cabinet secretary make a lot more? It's like two twenty-five. Oh, okay. Yeah, and that's like the secretary of defense gets two hundred twenty-five thousand dollars. Yeah, yeah, but you get you get to blow up things and there's right. A lot of that's perks. true. Yeah, and that for free. They don't charge you. 
Uh, no, you can do that from missile. your hospital bed. I mean, you can. <laughs> that's kind of evidently, reportedly. Uh, yeah. yeah, you can work from home. Didn't you like Admiral Kirby yesterday on Sunday? He says, well, on Face the Nation, Margaret Brown's like, you know, how do we not know about this? How can there be communication? He goes, yes, it's a problem. And he goes, and what is he doing? How is he doing? He goes, good. Yeah, he's still in the hospital. <laughs> then he goes, yeah, I think of a lot of it's rehab. He's out the next day. I mean, does anyone brief anybody? Then not only they, not only do they create a crisis, they have no crisis management for weeks. They have no crisis management. You can't, you can't anticipate that that question's coming. Right? Oh yeah, he's in rehab. Yeah, he's what in rehab. Je- what happened? <laughs> rehab? You know what kind of rehab? Yeah, he's part of the chain of command on the nuclear weapons. It's sort of an important role. And I love what this he said. He's not uh, the Secretary of Transportation. Right. And United we, Airlines didn't take off on time at Which, JFK. by the way, that didn't go great either. No, uh, when, it did. So, so what, I, what I love is this, too, and I think this matters. When they asked who gave the, who gave the order to bomb the Houthi rebels, they go, you know, that was the Secretary of Defense. And then Admiral Kirby on Sunday says he was in on the decision. Excuse What? <laughs> Who's making the in on the oh, nice him? And you know what? Let's get Austin on the phone. We have a Zoom. We give him a Zoom address. Maybe he'll log on. So, I mean, is he in on the would decision or making the decision? was like out sick or there was somebody in Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico. She's entitled to have a vacation. And they go, okay, wait a second. We just found out the secretary, the secretary's in the hospital. He goes, really? I didn't even know what's going on. She's like, well, I'm here. She's like, well, just hop on the line. So she's on the beach with her family. She becomes the secretary of defense. The chief of staff. Has the flu. Yeah. I, so who's next? I mean, <laughs> you. I have no idea. But I mean, if that's not fireable, no. you got to be kidding me. If, if this happened down Seth the Seth Moulton says fire him, a Democrat. If it's happened, it, it, they, they would be prosecuted if it happened in a, a smaller command. It, it, you know, but it's just the Secretary of Defense, for goodness sake. In the middle, I mean, we have so many assets and, and Houthis and others firing on us. It. it it's self-evident that this is so bad. Donald Trump wins. Your assessment of this victory before I play his response, 56,000-plus votes, 51% of the vote. That was his goal, right, over 50. All-time record. Beats DeSantis by over 30 with 21%. And then Haley at 19. Um, Trump's performance was? Uh, look, game over. Game, set, match. Donald Trump is the Republican See, I think nominee. So. I, I think this thing is over. I I I really do. You don't win 98 out of 99 counties, lose one county by one, get more than 50% of the vote, better than any other person ever going for that role and getting the nomination uh, in Iowa. And it wasn't like Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis weren't trying. They were canvassing that state, spending tens of millions of dollars. Would you think more DeSantis was trying that Haley kind of was focusing on New Hampshire? Don't you think? Oh, no. The millions and millions of dollars that she dropped there, the time that she spent there. If you remember back on the Mitt Romney, you know, he had a better case because he spent like four days there and he showed up in the last four days. And but these people have been there for months and trying as best they can. And I, you know, I want to get on to the idea of beating Joe Biden. No, I know. Had, yeah, but if you're Nikki Haley, has, you wouldn't feel that way. Yeah, but she lost and lost bad. There is no silver <laughs> medal here, folks. You get the nomination or you don't get the nomination. I see no path. It was not winner take all. Show me another state where she's actually winning in a poll. There's None. not a single one. None. But she's within single digits in New Hampshire. And I find New Hampshire fascinating. Number one, will Trump moderate the message at all? Because 40%, as you know, are undeclared. 
and not not affiliated. I think everybody's already made up their mind on that. It, 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 so what, what do you believe? The person? single digit poll or the double digit poll? There's two, the last two I, polls I, have been single digits. The, the the real clear average is 16 points. What the problem in in New Hampshire for President Trump is that people can switch over. They can switch over in their party, right? And and, and that's a problem for him. Um, but you know, it, I just think he's dominating. Even if he loses a state here and there, I mean, he's still going to win across the board. There is no stampede of "Hey, Nikki, Nikki, Nikki." I just don't see it. Well, I just I agree that uh, he's off to an awesome start. But I think it's too early to close the door. But what, in, what should encourage Trump supporters is his tone at the town hall and even last night. Yeah. Cut three. I want to congratulate Ron and Nikki for having a, a good a good time together. We're all having a good time <laughs> together. <laughs> I don't even know what that and, meant. Uh, he obviously think, didn't prethink that. I'm sorry, Eric. Keep going. Very well. We don't even know what the outcome of. Second place is. I also want to congratulate Vivek because he did a hell of a job. He came from uh, zero and he's uh, got a big percent, probably 8%, almost 8%. And that's an amazing job. They all did. They're all very smart, very smart people, very capable people. So... He's okay with that, I, but I love. But he's I love more it. than doubling their score. Then yeah. he's totally fine. I love them on the head. I, I love when he said they had a good time together. Yeah. <laughs> I've never quite did. heard that. I mean, it's like after winning the Super Bowl, I like to thank everybody that didn't win it. They had a good time together, playing each other, tackling the huddling. And, yeah, the huddling was really, off, really yeah. fun over there. They had a great time at the press conference. <laughs> and what about Nikki Haley's decision not going to debate? I, I again. I think I don't blame her. I, I think this. She is goes, if over. Trump is not in, she goes, if Trump is not in, I'm not doing it. I'm not going to go beat up a Ron DeSantis again. Yeah, or I no, mean, or Ron DeSantis beat up on her. Um, I I I wish candidates would debate more often. I just I'm in favor of that you know it, a few cycles ago there were probably too many debates, but at this point, yeah, I because I really want to see Joe Biden debate because I don't think he can. You don't think he will. Either do you? I don't think he can. Be, I don't think he will because I don't think he can. And that's that. That's a problem. I think one of the things we really missed out in the last election is when they canceled that third debate that was going to be focused on foreign policy. And look how important foreign policy is in this nation. And the idea that it was canceled was so. And wrong. Why was it canceled? That he had. COVID? Remember, we had that C-SPAN person who had the controversy. That ended up being the excuse, and it was a basement strategy. And I just think they threw in the towel. Hard to find a moderator that Trump was comfortable with. And I think the nation really missed out. Uh, there's no question it would have been interesting. Plus, imagine if Joe Biden was forced to tell the truth about the laptop, about his business overseas business dealings. Yeah, that would have China. been uh, quite fascinating. Ukraine. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but he just got away with it, and he got a total pass on that. And then yeah. it turns out the president had COVID, and he was out running a fever at the time. All the things work for this guy, for the president. Yeah. By, so that's what the frustration is from the Obama people towards Joe Biden. Get it together. You got to get it out there. You got to bulk up your staff. Give them the ability to make decisions. Right now, they're only going to you. I mean, this is basic stuff. It should be the the fifty year old or sixty now should not be telling the eighty year old how to run a campaign. Don't you think? Yeah, look, going into the fourth quarter, uh, Joe Biden, the total staff on his campaign was five. He had five people working on his campaign just a couple of months ago. And so he is not geared up. I don't think he's taking this seriously. I personally guessing I don't think he's going to be the nominee. I think you still think that. I, and I think it's even more so 
yes, with with Trump uh, prevailing so strongly last night. And I think they I really don't think that Joe Biden. I mean, you hear people like David Axelrod and Charlemagne the God and, you know, some real core Democratic people saying, hey, you know, maybe it's time to make a change here. Uh, I'm not going to support you. Kamala Harris is nowhere. And I think they have a tendency. I thought they'd do it before the end of the year, but maybe they wait till their convention and make a change. All right. So here's what Simone Sanders Townsend said. You know that she was uh, probably his chief of staff, I think, for a while. Uh, Then she ran his communications. She's now uh, got a show. She says this. They are not going to get Bidenomics. This is her message to him. Right. Uh, Let it go. How about you just make sure they know that you're going to do and what you did you give folks all the numbers about GDP and all these other things, but the data doesn't move people. Stories move people. You, have, you haven't seen him do what he does best, she said. He's been on prompter. He's been standing on stages looking presidential. When's the last time you saw Joe Biden on a rope line? When's the last time you saw Joe Biden on a town hall taking questions? Joe Biden needs to campaign like Joe Biden knows how to campaign. When people see him in a more intimate setting, they stop thinking about, oh, how, how old he is. They listen to what he has to say. Now, I have a lot to say on that. Jason, take it, analyze it, won't you? I, I, okay, Bidenomics first. Never defined it, can't articulate it. It's Wall Street Journal's it, idea, not, by the way. It, it, you can't, you can't, there, it's untenable, it's not working because people know whether or not they're, they're better off, and they're not better off. The idea that they want to freelance Joe Biden un, untethered. Go for it. Go for it. I, I would love to see that. He he never does sit-down interviews. Why don't he come? Well, how come he's not on the Kill Me show? I mean, that's the kind of thing Trump would do in the opposite, right? He would go on these shows. He would sit with anybody. Biden is not capable of doing it. Going to a town hall and taking literally impromptu questions, that's where he gets himself He did two trouble. hours with Chris Wallace in about the 100-degree weather outside, right? Now, the Joe, uh, President Trump, he sat there on CNN yeah. with Caitlin Collins for over an hour and it went so well, the president of the network got fired. So you can't say he won't go into uh, the lion's den. He doesn't. That's what I'm saying. Trump can do that. Right. Will do that. Biden incapable of getting through a 10 minute interview. Well, I'll give you an example. For example, when Taiwan had the elections and the progressive party won, the Democratic prevails over Beijing's uh, pressure did not matter. So this is a very important moment. He's asked. Do you support Taiwan's independence? He said, no. Now, don't you need an explanation on that? <laughs> right. I support the election and the outcome. I can't wait to get to work with President Lee, I think his name is. But number two, with independence, no, but they are a independent territory of China. And that's the way it has to remain. There are certain things that are in a one-word answer. The Houthi rebels, are they terrorists? He goes, yes. I well, think so. I think so, yeah. <laughs> well, you took them off the terror list, you idiot, and alienated Saudi Arabia in the process. This is the problem. I mean, do you want him on that rope line? We just talked about the Secretary of Defense and the chain of command, and there are no idea. I mean – the advice to go on the rope line and do impromptu call, go for it. I, I <laughs> have at it. I've had it. I'll, I, that's, I'll watch that. I, well, listen, Jason, I do think he's a nominee. That's where he different. A couple of minutes after this, right? You have a yes. couple minutes? Oh, yeah, yeah. Back in a moment. The 2024 race is on. We've got our ticket punched out of Iowa. Iowa made this Republican primary a two-person race. The latest polls, instant analysis. I want to congratulate Ron and Nikki for having a good time together. Next stop, New Hampshire, right here on The Brian Kilmeade Show.
radio that makes you think. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Hey, Tom Caraco is senior fellow with the International Security Program and director of the Missile Defense Project. He'll be with us in about 10 minutes, but we have a few more minutes with Congressman Jason Chaffetz. Congressman, are you worried about the budget and maybe costing Speaker Johnson his job? Look, it's tough. Democrats have the White House. They've got the Senate. And there's only a couple seat majority in the House. So Republicans have got to have somewhat of a tempered expectation. Look, I want to be as principled and, you know, let's go solve all the budget problems in the first week. But the reality is you have just a third of the equation here and you have so few votes. So you really concerned about it. Yeah, I mean, look, Speaker Johnson inherited an absolute mess. If you don't get off to a good start and you don't take a running start at the 12 appropriations bills, it's really hard to get through the process. So now they're going to ask for a CR till March, CR till March, which I think is reasonable. I probably would have voted for that, even though I say, oh, I want to get rid of this. Okay, but give the guy a little bit of a chance and let's go win some more seats to have a bigger margin to have to be able to pass these to to pass these bills. Nevertheless, I I think the the, what's probably giving him more headaches than anything is immigration. Because this immigration draft that's coming out without the text, I, I heard Senator Johnson yesterday um, talking about this. You've got to protect the border. Just enforce the current law. It doesn't even require more money. And you can't get this administration to do that. I still think you have to tie that together. I still think you have to Absolutely. use that as leverage. With the budget or with the aid to foreign aid? All of it. All of it. You say, enforce the current law, Mr. President. Quit having – look, and you can get the mayors of Chicago and, and Boston and uh, all of these other places, New York City. How else are they going to solve the problem? You can't keep pouring people into into these cities without some degree of, hey, we're going to shut this down. we got to slow this flow. And they can do it if they right. just enforce the but, current law. I mean, law. that's a lot. I thought it was moving parts with foreign aid. But if you have our whole budget linked with foreign aid, linked with the budget, do, do it. it. Has it ever been done before? It should be done. <laughs> <laughs> From a guy that used to be in Congress. It's easy when you're not Are there. Are you going to be on Outnumbered? No. I'm okay. going on America Reports with Sandra Smith. That's almost as good. Oh, yeah. No, that's better. I love Sandra. It's better. She's great. I like Sandra. She's okay. Breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on The Brian Kilmeade Show. Well, this has been the case for quite some time. The intelligence community has been warning that Iran is just a screwdriver turn away from a nuclear weapon. The big picture from Trump's point of view was to use other means to contain Iran, even overthrow the regime if necessary, but to make sure they don't produce a large number of nuclear weapons on ICBMs that can reach the United States. That's the bigger picture. So it looks like the Biden people are, you know, they've lost that that idea. And they're now, in, in many ways, breaking about a large Iranian nuclear force. It's a total nightmare. And that is uh, Mike Pillsbury, who wrote the, the hundred uh, uh, the hundred year uh, fight against China, which we're in the middle of now. But he just talked about the different strategies and what's not working, giving 
Iran $6 billion in some type of hostage exchange, really not to our benefit. By telling the Houthi rebels you're no longer on the terror list and saying that you're a pariah nation, Saudi Arabia, has not the policy that's going to get us safe, and we're seeing it now. Tom Caracco joins us, senior fellow with the International Security Program, director of the Missile Defense Project at the Center for Strategic and International Studies joins us now. Uh, Tom, welcome. Uh, good morning. Good so, to be here. So, Tom, how do you gauge our, uh, our policy versus Iran right now? As evidently they had higher-ups in uh, Yemen yesterday counseling the Houthis how to handle, I assume, the next attack. Yeah, look, the uh, uh, hundreds and hundreds of missiles that uh, the uh, uh, the Houthis have been firing over since 2015 in the Yemen Missile War, uh, and then more recently, of course, toward Israel and towards our forces in the Red Sea and towards all these uh, the ships. They didn't uh, gin these up in their garage. Uh, presumably, they've had quite a bit of help uh, from from uh, our Iranian friends. Uh, and, you know, for a while there, the uh, administration was uh, being very, very reluctant to respond. We were just sort of sitting and playing catch uh, in terms of these UAV and, uh, and missile attacks. Uh, it was, I think, uh, overdue and uh, inappropriate to respond, uh, you know, with these Tomahawk and other uh, strikes uh, on these uh, facilities in Yemen uh, by the Houthis. And so uh, that's not going to solve the problem, however. And uh, just uh, in the past day, Iran has fired some a bunch of uh, ballistic and other missiles uh, into Iraq. Uh, and so there's there's lots going on here. And at our, at our guys, right? Oh, correct. And this is, you know, kind of a reminiscent of what they did uh, was, was it, I think, in January of 2020 when all those missile attacks uh, hit uh, the al-Assad air base and Erbil uh, back in response to the Soleimani strike. So when you look at the, the situation right now with the Houthi rebels, it looks like that we hit 90 percent of our targets when we knocked out 10, 20 percent of their capability. And they just went after a, civil, a commercial vessel and hit it but didn't damage it. So we'll be the best posture going forward. Yeah. Uh, striking the, the, the targets in, in Yemen is probably necessary but not sufficient. It's a little bit of mowing the grass, uh, but there's a lot of, a lot of targets there. Uh, it, it, it does make sense to raise the question at least of, uh, you know, are we hitting them where uh, it hurts in terms of the political uh, calculus and the political decision-making by those who are really in charge? Uh, at the same time, we, we don't want a war with Iran, uh, not the least of which reason is we're busy with Ukraine and uh, are helping our Israeli friends, and we no kidding need to uh, steward our resources for, for China. Uh, but at the same time, uh, you know, weakness is provocative, uh, and we do need to have a sufficiently uh, strong response so that they uh, don't get uh, a bad idea and think that inaction is an invitation to more mischief. How dangerous is the situation as you assess it right now? Uh, I, I think it's I think it's fairly uncertain, uh, in in as much as there's so many moving parts. You got Turkey striking in Iraq. You got things going on in Syria. Uh, it, it's it's certainly uh, dangerous. I don't think we should uh, panic, uh, but uh, we do need to respond uh, with strength and to communicate that no, we're not going to let them uh, uh, be. Uh, on the uh, on the march here, uh, and so we do need to figure out some appropriate way to hit them where it hurts uh, as a means of de-escalation. As you so know, not, not just as you know, there's pressure on this president to uh, pull the reins on uh, Israel, 
and Israel is not going to pull back until they eradicate the threat. Leaving Hamas there is only postponing the next attack. So, Tom, what is the best strategy there? Yeah, so on that front, you know, the the 64,000-pound grill in the room uh, is the other uh, front that could open, and that is Hezbollah uh, in the north. And so that's why these uh, reported strikes uh, of uh, Iranian uh, commanders up in that area, and then likewise the responses. That's that's the bigger problem because while Hamas has thousands, uh, you know, Hezbollah has many tens of thousands of missiles and and such that could be brought to bear. And so you understand Israel's uh, attempt to uh, clean house in the south, but if they are uh, brought into some two front uh, complication, that's going to be very difficult for Israel to manage. There's sure. not enough iron domes in the world to, to deal with 100,000 uh, Hezbollah missiles. And but the, but also knowing too, in the back of your mind, that if Hezbollah stays intact, and they're allowed, they're, all they're going to do is become more formidable of a of um, of an opponent. And they might they're right now in a war footing. Do they think it's in their best interest to take on this monster now? Uh, in terms of Hezbollah, uh, knowing Hezbollah that, thinking yeah. it's in their best interest. You know, uh, the potential for miscalculation uh, is always there, and so that's why the communication of resolve and the demonstration of capability is going to be important to uh, convince them that this is not a good day to pick a fight. Of course, they too may be uh, egged on by some of of our uh, more geopolitical uh, rivals here. At the end of the day, I can't help but think that who benefits from the Hamas and Israel conflict, who benefits from a widening of that conflict with, uh, with Iran and, he- and or Hezbollah, uh, and the answer is Russia and China do. And so we don't want to go down that road. We will, you know, obviously what we'll need to do, uh, what we need to do in the, in the context, but uh, keeping those larger strategic considerations in mind is important. From what you know, Ukraine is dealing with a Russian offensive now. The, the, uh, the harder the ground gets, the more they want to move forward. Uh, we know that they've uh, they've gotten heavy casualties. They don't seem to care. So as Ukraine waits for more foreign aid, the NATO Supreme Chancellor uh, uh, just came out and said, Supreme Commander, if they don't get more Western aid, they will lose. Uh, how do we break this deadlock? Because it's in our interest for Ukraine, for Russia to fail. Well, you're exactly right. Uh, the, the consequences of Russia, Russian success here, uh, I think, are far worse than uh, a lot of our uh, friends uh, seem to be taking uh, seriously. Uh, so uh, Europe is doing a lot more than they used to be, certainly the Eastern Europeans and increasingly Germany. Uh, we do, no kidding, need to break that deadlock that you alluded to in terms of Capitol Hill, uh, in terms of the supplemental to get that through to help Ukraine, but also to help uh, Israel and uh, Taiwan. Uh, That's about rebuilding and expanding our own production capacity, largely in the United States, for all of this stuff. So that's all for the good. Uh, But no, um, look look at what uh, Russia is doing in terms of getting missiles from North Korea and from Iran. This is the new, you know, axis of evil. This is the arsenals of autocracy here that are supplying Russia. Uh, with uh, with extra kit. And so we do need to help the the Ukrainians. They've had some good successes shooting down these two very exquisite Russian command and control aircraft as well as that uh, Russian ship uh, in recent weeks. So they're making some some successes here as well. Uh, the, the Chinese election, uh, the Progressive Party wins. Beijing is irate. 
Uh, are you concerned that their their agenda, uh, their agenda for for invasion has has uh, moved up? Yeah, you know that's uh, that's hard to speculate in terms of the reaction to the Taiwanese uh, election, uh, barring a. Uh, declaration of independence or something like that, which I don't think they're going to do. Uh, that doesn't uh, present China with a uh, in-the-face provocation uh, necessarily. So I think that it, the indications are that this is a, a new administration coming in, new government coming in that will be serious about defense, and we want to make sure and help them with acquiring and doing all the things they need to do. Uh, our friends, the Japanese, our friends, the Australians, they're very serious about this as well. And so we need to work with those partners to make sure that the Taiwanese are are strong, uh, their, their spine is stiffened, and they have all the kit that they need to deter a conflict rather than invite one. Uh, Tom Caracco, thank you very much. Appreciate it. All right. Thank you. You got it. Uh, when we come back, uh, the latest on the ramifications of the massive Iowa victory for Donald Trump, what it means for New Hampshire, what it means for South Carolina, well, also for Ron DeSantis, too. The governor not giving up. He says he's punched his ticket. He's going to two states today, South Carolina and New Hampshire. Is that a good move? What do you think? Brian Kilmeade Show. Want even more, Brian? Download the podcast at com. Every episode, exclusive interviews on demand. More of Kilmeade coming up. The fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade. I think there's a lot of shades of George W. Bush versus John McCain in 2000 and Donald Trump now versus Nikki Haley. John McCain won an 18-point victory in New Hampshire in 2000. Nobody saw it coming. He became a political sensation overnight. And there were general election polls. It's a famous one, CNN USA Today Gallup poll in that period before South Carolina. It had John McCain 22 points ahead of Al Gore back in 2000. It had Bush doing 13 points less. McCain was saying, hey, it couldn't be any more obvious, folks. I can reach out to independents. I can reach out to Democrats. His famous line was, I'll beat George W. Bush like a drum. But what undid John McCain in 2000, I think, is a big threat to Nikki Haley and the Republican Party of 2024. And that is, if you get the majority of your votes, if you're getting them from non-Republicans, and that is what John McCain was doing back in 2000, core Republican voters will look at you with suspicion. And George W. Bush in 2000 was able to make that race a loyalty test to Republican voters. And Donald Trump, what he will be able to do, he'll be able to make a similar loyalty argument. But I think he'd make it more personal because we see this. More than three quarters of Haley's voters say they've got a negative view of Donald Trump. So that is Steve. Uh, I, by the way, he does, a, he does a really good job. Steve Kornacki on other channels. Just talk, talking about comparing George W. Bush, John McCain, the established candidate, the incoming candidate. But what New Hampshire means. And I just think New Hampshire means more than ever. If anything's going to stop President Trump or hinder him, trip him up, it might be Governor Sununu teamed with somebody competent like Governor Haley, who is a traditional Republican. She is not a rhino. She's just not. uh, And by the way, she was loved by the MAGA world when she was very tough ambassador to the United Nations. But you don't take on Trump and also you don't take on Trump and also look to hope down to Trump's base. That's the whole problem. Because Governor Haley and Governor DeSantis are taking heat. I watch these so-called experts say, why aren't they being tougher on Trump? You understand. It's hard to be tough on a candidate when his entire, let's say it's 40 percent, 40 percent of the electorate 
and 90% of the Republicans look at him uh, and take the insults at him and take it personal. So that's the situation she's in right now. So Nikki Haley, she says she's going to, uh, she was pretty tough yesterday in her in her uh, post-election presser before she hopped on a plane and went to New Hampshire. She said she only slept about an hour. But here's what she said, cut 11. The pundits will analyze the results from every angle. We get that. But when you look at how we're doing in New Hampshire, in South Carolina, and beyond, I can safely say tonight, Iowa made this Republican primary a two-person race. Tonight, tonight, I will be back in the great state of New Hampshire. And the question before Americans is now very clear. Do you want more of the same? Or do you want a new generation of conservative leadership? All right, a couple of things. Number one, she came in third. So DeSantis came in second, so was able to bounce back and take the second slot. He will continue. Uh, they don't have any love lost. It's, I think that is getting personal. Vivek really catapulted Nikki Haley, in my view, more than anybody else. And Vivek is now out. A couple of days before Iowa, the president just opened up on him and said he's not MAGA. He is not real. He is fake. Don't buy it. He's trying to take my votes. My view, he was, uh, President Trump was at 51%. He dropped to 48 He said, where did those three points go? He looked at Vivek Ramaswamy, not at DeSantis. So here is Vivek after only got 7.8% of the electorate. Cut 12. We are going to suspend this presidential campaign. There is no path for me to be the next president absent things that we don't want to see happen in this country. And I think that I am very worried for our country. I think we are skating on thin ice as a nation. We have done everything in our part to save this country. And I am so proud of every one of you who have lifted us up, but we're a campaign founded on the truth. And so that's why we've made that decision today. And I'm also making the decision that this has to be an America first candidate in that White House. As I've said since the beginning, there are two America first candidates in this race. And earlier tonight, I called Donald Trump to tell him that I congratulate him on his victory. And now going forward, he will have my full endorsement for the presidency. And I think he'll probably go through New, uh, go through New Hampshire uh, for the president. He's a very good speaker, knows this stuff. I just totally agree with his, disagree with his foreign policy when he came out and said that we should just let Ukraine go and tell Russia you could have Ukraine, uh, have what you got, and just promise not to be allies with China. I, I, for a guy that's that smart and that rich, and that, and in obviously borderline genius, I couldn't believe that that was his policy. But having said that, Donald Trump also is, let's uh, bail out of our old, old, old conflicts. My sense is that people understand you can't really do that and say it's in the best interest of America. When that's shown to him, I think he'll get involved. President Biden, watch this and put this statement out. It looks like Donald Trump just won Iowa. He's the clear front runner. And the other side of this point, and And the other side at this point. But here's one thing. The election was always going to be you and me versus extreme MAGA Republicans. It was a true yesterday. It was true yesterday. It will be true tomorrow. So if you're with us, chip in right now. So he wants to get on to his $117 million. He'll raise money. And I know Jason Chaffetz on. He said Biden's not going to be the nominee. He's going to be the nominee. I haven't seen any indications that he'll pull out unless something happens where he falls where he has some type of uh, health concern, he's not getting out because he is not aware how much he has slipped. 
Bernie Sanders, older, sharper, though, says it's very hard for most Americans to get excited about Joe Biden's candidacy and because of what's going on amid Biden's reelection bid, also urging him to change course on the Israel-Hamas war. So the one thing I back President Biden on is the Israel-Hamas war, that the Ukraine needs to be supported. But how they both do it, both things, are the big issue. So Joe Biden, in order to earn money, to, to raise money, he's come out with these big heads, these flatheads that go on the wall. And he says he'll sign them for extra money if you want to buy them. Don't see myself going to get that. Uh, a bigger head of Joe Biden, not sure. But the problem is what his people want him to do, he's not capable of. When you had Simone Sanders come out from MSNBC and said, President's got to work the rope lines. He's got to go to the town halls and answer the questions. I mean, does she not know the answer to that? Did she not hear his one-word answers, his uh, double talk when it comes to our policy on Taiwan, our policy with the Houthi rebels, what really happened in Afghanistan? All right, uh, that's it for this hour. Go to BrianKilmead.com. I want you to join me in Juliet, Illinois, Sunday at 2. I'm Guy Benson. Join me weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern as we break down the biggest stories of the day with some of the biggest newsmakers and guests. Listen live on the Fox News app or get the free podcast at GuyBensonShow.com. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.